Welcome into Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. Thanks so much for listening. Wherever and whenever you're listening, it's probably beer o'clock, and we've got a lot of good stuff coming up for you right here on the podcast starting right now. Welcome back into Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. We are into episode number 25. That's a nice even round number for us. It's not a round number, but it's a nice even number. 25, yeah, that's a quarter of the way to 100. Yeah, that's, wow. I almost said halfway, so... Good save. Good save. That still makes it feel like a lot more than we've done. 25 total episodes so far. Uh, We really, really hope you guys enjoyed last week's episode. I thought it was a blast to record. I had a lot of fun doing it. The boobas. The boobas. And that one went for an hour and 15 minutes without us even trying. We were just going. And I was like, oh, it'll be like 40 minutes. It's about the average length of our podcast. At the end of it, it was like, oh, crap. We're like well over an hour right now. Yeah, it's one of those. I I don't always listen to our podcasts when we're done with them because it can be a little I don't know narcissistic, I suppose. Uh, but that one, I that one, I'm probably going to go back and listen to. I like that one a lot. So if you guys didn't hear that one yet, uh, or if you skipped it, or if you are first listening now and you haven't gone back to listen to the other ones, uh, that's one I would certainly listen to because it's the Year in Review podcast, and we just kind of talk a lot about what happened this past year and what we've done on the podcast and all that kind of stuff. So wouldn't definitely it, go listen. Wouldn't it be funny when we get to 2020 and we do the 2019 boobas if we say our favorite episode was the 2018 boobas? <laughs> I don't what think was your favorite episode last year? The year of review of the year before. That yeah. was my favorite. No, I don't think we're going to be allowed to do that. We're going to have to be very, very <laughs> solid about picking in within the year. And we're going to have a lot of opportunities. Yeah, I think 2019, uh, this 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 little, this little baby we got going uh, has plenty of room to hum. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so you can find us everywhere if you are just first listening now. Hi, thanks for listening iTunes, Google Play, Radio.com, 1080thefan.com, Stitcher, all the places you can find us. We also post it on social media. I'm at Mike Lynch 27 on Twitter. Patrick's at PDiddy085 on Instagram. We post them there. Feel free to tweet us or comment with us on Instagram and uh, let us know what you're thinking. We do get a lot of uh, back and forth with some of our listeners, which is really cool and appreciated. I still, to this day, am getting people giving me their cans versus bottle answer Oh, really? Uh, on Twitter. It, Everyone, I'm like, wow, it, you're... it's a polarizing debate. I mean, not to not to get into it before we get into it, but I'm I'm staring at a bottle and a can right now and four glasses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, as in the glass four episode, glasses preferred, and uh, bottles and cans, the debate rages on. But yeah, that's kind of cool too. I like that we get. I'm still getting those because it means people are catching up. Mm-hmm. And multiple people are still listening to those episodes. So I think that's pretty awesome. So thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, Really, really appreciate it. Remember, wherever you find us, if you can or if you haven't already, rate us, review us, and subscribe. That way you'll get notifications if you'd like. And you can very easily listen every Thursday when we post it at about 4 o'clock. So on the podcast today, we're going to do another style episode. It's been a little while since we've done a style. Uh, We we were doing it kind of once a month for a while. And now I think it's been eight. Eight-ish episodes since we've done one. Oh, really? I'm trying to wonder, what was the last one we did? Winter Beard? Winter, but that was a weird one because I had the flu, so I missed half of that podcast. Oh, yeah, that's right. So I feel like I didn't really... I only did Beer of the Week with you, mm. so I don't really feel like I was super involved in that podcast. Um, and before that, it was Bourbon Barrel Age Stouts, I believe, wasn't it? Yeah, that sounds about right. So it's been a little while, and when thinking about it, I wanted to do something that we had done, but not done. And the very first style that we did was episode number two. It was the West Coast IPA. One of my favorite episodes. And I remember writing down a list of styles to do throughout the life of the podcast. And under IPA, I wrote about seven different types of IPA. West Coast, New England, uh, Imperial, 
uh, Session, Hazy, and I was like, these will all be ones that we'll have to do at some point. And I was like, let's pick one of those because we haven't done an IPA talk since episode two. And uh, we chose Imperial IPA today. So any double or triple IPA you find that is generally under the Imperial IPA bubble. Imperial just sounds cooler. It sounds really, really Imperial. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say majestic or royal, which I guess would also work, but it's, you know, we're cool. We're kings. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's, it, it's about as classic American as you can get. Let's take something we like and let's make it bigger. Yes. How do we do this? Ooh, you like cheeseburgers? Here's a quarter pounder. Ooh, you like that? Here's a Big Mac. How about a triple cheeseburger? Mm. How about, I don't know, 17 patties, 30 inches round. And if you can eat it all, your meal is free. Well, you're making my mouth water right now. So why not do that with beer? Because all of those things sound delicious to me right now. Um, although I haven't eaten fast food in quite some time, so maybe like a a real version of a Big Mac or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so anyway, I, I didn't really, before we dive into that, that is this week's episode. I know we tend to do a little bit of uh, what we did this week in beer. I didn't really have that much of a beer week mm-hmm. this week. I watched a lot of football this weekend for the playoffs. I had a couple of a couple of beers that I liked. I really liked the Waves of Silence from Fort George. It's a Imperial Stout, of course, and um, I really really enjoyed that one. I actually had it at Cerveza too. My uh, parents were here for New Year's, and we stopped there. My wife and I before we picked them up, and I had one of those there, and I was like, I got to get this again. So I had one of those, and there was a couple others that I had that weren't super memorable. So nothing really stood out to me outside of just kind of uh, hey, it was a normal week. So I, I don't really have too much to say. Yeah. I, but try I, Waves of Silence if you like those type of beers. Yeah, I had a fun week. I mean, beers that are standing out to me that I drank this week, um, some Bits and Bobs, which is, you know, a seasonal uh, IPA release from Rubens that I that I was digging on. I think I gave you a can of that. I, yeah, I, it's I in like the fridge that. right now. Um, a couple times I drank some Overkill from Grains of Wrath and a couple uh, West Sides, which is Claim 52's uh, Clear IPA. It's like the only IPA they make that's not hazy. Uh, and I re- I really like it. I have I've had a couple of them, but probably the standout for me, and and this happens once or twice a year, and it's kind of one of the fortunes of of working for the place that I do. Um, the Oregon Beer Award submissions were due um, by Monday, and you know I, I work at a place that I'm very fortunate that we have kind of the space, and we you know our head brewmaster helps kind of coordinate the event, so all the other breweries have to drop off their submissions for the, you know, 2019 Oregon Beer Awards at our place, and most of the time, it's like head brewers, you know, top dogs, so kind of the who's who of the Oregon brew scene comes in, and, you know, we hook them up with pints, and I get to see a bunch of old friends and stuff, like, for example, uh, uh, Tyler Brown from Barley Browns was in, he's always such a such an awesome dude to hang out with and Shelpie from Logston and things like that. Uh so that that's always a lot of fun to just kind of see see the peeps. Saw the Ruse boys and Conrad and all that stuff and I always get a kick out of that. Oh yeah, and you said you were inviting me to the Oregon Beer Awards this year. Yeah, if you want to come. When is it? I forgot. Uh it's late February. It's late on late February. It's on a Tuesday, I believe. So you'd have to ditch your responsibilities that night. Mm. Mm. I know someone that probably owes you a favor, so <laughs> or like a hundred. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, that is a great, a great thought. And maybe, maybe I do uh, take a random day off right there and just yeah. say, "Hey, let's uh, let's go have some fun." Yeah, I'm sure we'll do an episode on the OBAs. Oh um, yeah, it's a ton of fun. It's It'll a, probably be the following week, like we did with the GABF. Yeah, and... it's a massive drinking ass show, but uh, you know, that's fun, right? It's super positive, and everyone's real supportive and exciting, and gets really drunk. Well, cool. 
Uh, remember, subscribe, rate, review. We love you. Uh, we really, really appreciate anyone who has done that so far. And uh, on at least iTunes, because I've got an iPhone, I see all the little reviews on the podcast section, so I appreciate all you guys uh, a lot. Let's get into the episode. We've got two beers with us to drink during the episode. These are not our beer of the week. This is just to help us along. Let's get drunk. With our Imperial IPAs. And uh, we got two of them. So we got a classic one. And we've got one that is a brand new release that I just saw on the shelf of John's Marketplace when I grabbed it today. I'll start with the new one, and that is Belching Beaver, which is based out of San Diego, correct? Or California? Uh, California, well, off the top of my head, who I don't remember. I will find it on the beer. Um, Oceanside, California. That sounds like San Diego, doesn't it? Sure. Uh, it's a Mosaic Double IPA from Belching Beaver, and then we've got the Gigantic Ginormous IPA, which is a classic old staple imperial ipa from gigantic and um we're gonna sip on these as i pop the belching beaver for you there patrick's got the, the bottle by the way in his hand the bottle versus can debate um we're gonna sip on these two as we do this podcast but this is a pretty interesting one to me because when i started liking ipas the i almost liked the imperial ipa yeah. more first than any of the other ipas Nice pour, Mike. Oh, that was terrible, I know. <laughs> Sorry. We'll let that one sit for a second. Um, I really liked Imperial IPAs more. Yeah. I, I don't know why, because in my head when I first tried them, I was like, well, this is going to be more hoppy. It's going to be way stronger. And it it sat better with me, even though it was way more alcoholic. I don't know why. I would I would imagine, you know, some of its base concept. Yeah, it's it's like, yeah, the, when you first started drinking, especially you uh, into IPAs, I can understand it's got this two-headed monster that one side is probably not going to be your forte, but the other side is most likely going to be your forte. The extra amount of hops added to it is probably on the and side to you, but the extra malts needed and the extra fermentable sugars in there are probably what brought you into it kind of lets you tolerate the extra hops because you got extra of what you like. Okay, so it's like I have to eat I have to eat all this broccoli but I get extra dessert. Mm, I see what you mean. So for those of you out there who don't know what makes an imperial IPA different than a I shouldn't say regular IPA, but different in the an IPA American family. style IPA traditional. What is it? What makes it different? Oh uh, yeah, it's it's basically your increase, you know. I you know, don't let the word double and triple fool you it's not literally double the amount of hops or double the amount of malts but it's definitely a boost in that in those ingredients it's creating you know you've got it, it's meant to showcase an extreme amount of hops but to get there especially with the abv you do need to crank up your malts so you have some more fermentable sugar to get that abv up there um so it just kind of becomes you know it's just ipa on steroids really they range anywhere you can do a double ipa can range anywhere from seven and a half percent all the way up to i mean you can even go all the way up to ten percent a triple ipa is you know basically the same kind of thing as a double just pushing it even more um you know and the, and the malt and the malt level or the hop level is getting the abv i should say is getting you closer to like i don't know a barley wine style but the malt character isn't as dialed in in a barley wine and the hop character is way overboard what a barley wine would be so that's your difference of instead of just being once you get to 10% or 9%, you can just kind of start calling anything a barley wine almost at that point. However, what distinguishes these from that is the amount of hops. And it sounds like they're more balanced because of that, right? Yeah, yeah, I would definitely Because agree. if you're putting more malt in to pair with the more hops, then it's just going to be a way more balanced but really intense beer. 
is yeah. basically what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, this is just a little note that I found in a, in a little research before the episode. The imperial usage comes from Russian imperial stout. Whoop! Uh, a style of strong stout originally brewed in England during the late 1700s for the Russian Imperial Court. Today, double IPA is often the preferred name in the United States. But we're going to say Imperial on this episode because it sounds cooler. Sexy. And it includes triple IPAs, too. So, already looking right now at the two that we poured, we got Gigantic Ginormous and, again, the Belching Beaver Mosaic double IPA. The Gigantic is way more amber in color. Belching Beaver, very, very light in color. Looks like a West Coast IPA. Yes, Uh, which is interesting. But when I was reading about this style, it's a style that gives you a range like that. You can go closer to being an amber, or you can go closer to being more of a classic IPA in color. And um, before we dive into all the details about this, you want to take a sip? Which one do you want to start with? Well, I took a sip of the Mosaic one. I cheated. I I, I have very, very low patience. Um, (laughs) Once the beer is in front of me, I want to take a sip. So I took a sip of the Mosaic. Uh, Yeah, I think what's interesting and, you know, the Belching Beaver is 100% Mosaic, so it's basically like a single hop double IPA. That's interesting. Uh, I've never really seen that before. Yeah, I don't see a ton of it either. That means that beer has a ton of Mosaic hops in it. And, that uh, is not a cheap beer to make. Are you getting what I'm getting immediately? I'm getting that same fresh hop grassy yep. from our fresh hop episode. Yep, you're really starting to dial in that Mosaic flavor. Mm. I mean, it's very, very clear Mosaic. Uh, and then the ginormous, which I'm going to take a sip of right now, uh, looks like it's Callista and and what does that say, Cascade and Cascade, which doesn't really shock me. I mean, this color, yeah, it's a little more ambery, but I would say it's still kind of the color of a of an American style IPA. I think just this Belching Beaver is just so damn light, very light, yeah. that it makes this look darker than it yeah, actually you're right. is. Holding it up, it looks a little bit more more yellowy than than ambery. The difference in the flavors between these two beers is astonishing. And it, I'm assuming part of it uh, is the hop usage, yeah. but it is, it they don't taste like they're both Imperial IPAs. Mm-mm. They taste, I mean, they are because they're strong and they're right. really hop forward, but the flavor is so wildly different. Yeah, in the, in the Belching Beaver. This one feels way more hoppy, the Belching uh-huh. Beaver. This one feels way more malty, the Ginormous. I would say that the Ginormous to me feels more balanced mm, of okay. the two. Um, I agree with you that that the Belching Beaver is definitely hoppy. I think you could put this in front of me and I would let it pass for a high ABV West Coast IPA to where I think the Ginormous has a little more of a malt character. I think both of them hide their booziness really well. Yeah, they do. Like it's, it's not screaming at me. Like, hey, I'm I'm big. Let's see the ginormous ABV. Where are you? Where are you? Eight point eight percent. This one's eight point eight percent. Eight point eight. Wow. Eighty eight. <laughs> and it's gigantic beer number eighty eight. Very nice. Yeah. So that's what we're drinking right now. We'll kind of keep sipping, and if we get any more revelations throughout the episode, we'll let you know. But what are some of the local examples outside of gigantic, which is an obvious one, that make really good double IPAs or triple IPAs and are other beers doing it like gigantic where they have part of their regular beers are Imperials or is it more of a seasonal small batch kind of thing that a lot of breweries do? You know, there's, there's a few of them out there that do some, you're talking basically year round core brands versus mm-hmm. seasonals. Right. I think ginormous s- is always out for gigantic. ginormous is a year round. Um, I know, let's see, looking through my list here, hop henge from Deschutes might be year round, might not. I could be wrong with that. 
Uh, I don't think that's year-round. Notorious from Boneyard is a year-round triple that uh, if you go out to the triple IPA community, um, you know, everybody tends to make triple IPAs in February. And if you ask around, you know, it's like, are you guys going to do triple IPA? And it's like, yeah, ours comes out in February. They're like, well, like, how good is it? Is it like Notorious from Boneyard good or is it just kind of like meh? So it's like that's the litmus test right now locally. I love uh, how people ask that. Like the brewer is going to be like, nah, it's not yeah, that great. No, sorry. it's not as good as Notorious. <laughs> Notorious is a fantastic triple IPA. Uh, and then, I mean, the big one, I wanted to do this. I was texting with Mike back and forth yesterday about which which beer I should grab as an example for a double IPA. And I was talking with some friends, and I actually felt kind of stupid that I didn't think about it. Uh, but maybe the best example on the market is Sticky Hands. I mean, we do talk a lot of Block 15 on this show, so I thought it'd be fun. We I don't think we've done a gigantic beer, so I thought I, I agreed with you that it would be fun to kind of bring in a gigantic. But yeah, we, I would, both, we love Sticky Hands. I think we've done a Block 15 beer the week before, and we've talked about them a lot. Mm-hmm. And they're our white whale, and we still want to get down there and do yep. a, a podcast takeover there. If you're listening, please <laughs> respond to Patrick's emails. Thank you. Um, but uh, I've always kind of had a little bit of a sweet spot for Gigantic because it's not a place that I originally went to, or actually I still haven't been been there, because way, way back in the day before we started this podcast, like two years ago, uh, my wife and I were doing a kind of a brewery tour around the city, but the catch was it had to have food because mm. we wanted to go to a place and try their food and try their beer. Like and, we do on our podcast takeovers. Yes. But Gigantic is just a tap room. They do not have food, or at least right. they did not when I started that. I don't know if they do now. And so we never even had Gigantic beer. But when I started to learn IPAs and try IPAs, of course, Gigantic is all over the shelves mm-hmm. of regular grocery stores. And I was like, I need to try this because it looks cool. They got great art on their bottles. Mm-hmm. And... I loved it. So I've always kind of had a little bit of a soft spot for Gigantic because of just them introducing me to IPAs that I found better. Maybe because they were more balanced, less hoppy. Yeah. But uh, I'm glad we chose them to be a little bit different. Gigantic's always been fun for me. They have, you know, they are, they have kind of built their bread and butter, I suppose, on the, on the, um, the house IPA and the ginormous double IPA. Uh, but they have some, some one-offs that I really enjoy. The Kiss the Goat is the Doppelbach. Wait, did we do that on this show? We did. Did do we that did on this do show. that on this show. That's why I'm thinking of it. Yeah, oh. Kiss the Goat, the Doppelbach. We really like right. that. Well, a little extra love to Gigantic. Yeah, uh, and they got me into a barrel age uh, path that I never thought I would go down. They make a gin barrel age double IPA. That is Pipe Wrench, and they've been making that beer for Jeez. a very long time. That and sounds terrifying. I love it. I'm absolutely obsessed with it. Uh, you get this kind of like sweetness tang from the gin barrel. This kind of herbal tang and uh, mixed with the IPA, it's awesome. Okay. I was like, gin barrel? I like gin, but that sounds gross. Yeah. Try a pipe wrench. All right. What else you got on your list there of locals? Uh, Yeah. So I would say Sticky Hands is probably the easiest go-to. Um, some fun ones. Although if you look on their can, it says a hop experience. Yeah, ale. but it's also 8.3%. So we're going to count it as a double. True that. Um, let's see. There's... Uh, Lompoc to C note, which I guess is technically an imperial pale ale, but I've all I kind of grew up drinking that and I like that. Molten lava from from Double Mountain is basically hop lava, which recipe turned into a double, so that's nice. And then you know the used to be packaged, but not anymore. Uh, the IGA from Breakside, people love that beer as well. I've never had that one, so yeah. I to be honest with you, I don't drink a ton of double IPAs, so like I even wrote this list down, and of these beers, the only ones I drink. On a regular basis, is sticky hands. Yeah, but that's because it is the IPA drinkers double IPA. Yeah, and 
That's interesting though, because you love West Coast IPAs. You love really hoppy IPAs, but you don't normally drink double IPAs, which is just a hoppier version of an IPA. Yeah, I think I think it's twofold. I think they tend to be a little maltier, and uh, I don't like the booze. A lot of them come across with booze flavor. So, like for example, these two, they don't come across a ton of a ton of booze flavor. No, but I can taste them. I get it. It's a little thicker to me. It. This word I'm going to use sounds a little. Sounds a little more dramatic than I mean it to be, but it's a little syrupy. Um, I don't find these beers particularly to be syrupy, but it's just kind of like that thicker, slicker feeling in the back of my palate that, um, it, it for me, I guess it's not sessionable. Like, I want to be able to, well, my definition of sessionable is very different than others, but I want to be able to have a beer that I like and have two of them. Like, I had uh, the... Um, uh, the the punk rocker or the, I don't remember what it's called. One of the new bear Lick releases. And I can sit down and have like three of those to where if I, I even do this with sticky. If I have a sticky hands, it's like, well, go find a session IPA because if you have too many more, you're bye-bye. Right. So I think that's what kind of deters me from it. Plus growing up and living through the hop wars and the space race of the, of the mid two thousands of how do we make this the hoppiest and the most bitter thing ever? Uh, I'm pretty beyond that. And so for my palate personally, I think I've decided to dial it back a little bit. Is that where these were born from, the Imperial IPAs, the the hop race? where So everyone was Probably. going for really bitter West Coast IPAs, which we talked about in a previous episode. And now they really wanted to get even more crazy, and they went for hoppy and extra alcoholic? Well, I think what happened is, is instead of by using more hops, sure, it became hoppier and bitter, but it wasn't anywhere near like the balance you want. It wasn't even, it wasn't consistent. It was just like, ah, ah, super bitter beer. So by bringing the malts up to kind of help balance it, you're naturally going to bring the ABV up because of its, you know, ferment, it's extra fermentable right. sugar aspect. Now you mentioned some of the local ones, but frankly, a lot of those local ones are not well known outside of this area. Right. Or hell, even in this area, mm-hmm. um, because a lot of them are seasonal beers, but there's a couple that I even know of Imperial IPAs that are super popular mm-hmm. across the board. Probably and, two of the most famous beers in America are and, double IPAs. And you can add on if you if you know any others outside of these two. But uh, number one, we'll stick on the West Coast to start. It's Russian River, which is out of Santa Rosa, California. I've been there once. Mm-hmm. Really cool. Really long wait. Um, Pliny the Elder, Pliny the Younger are their Imperial IPAs. They are incredibly famous people wait for hours to get these beers and it wasn't even a release day and we went there before they opened like two hours before they opened and there was a two-hour line yeah and it was a saturday but it was just like wow we're gonna i mean i'm gonna go here because i was told to go here but Mm -hmm. and it was really good that's one and then the other is dogfish head they're 90 minute and 20 120 minute ipas are imperial imperial ipas that are really famous and you can get them all over the place and uh, those are the two big boys that I can think of in terms of nationally that are that get a lot of exposure. Yeah, those those are instantly the first two that come to my head. I mean, I'm not a big like, I don't I don't really do Untapped. I don't really do Beer Advocate. Not, not, not a bash against those. It's just I don't I don't have time to do that stuff, so I don't do that stuff. But I do know for a very long time, uh, Pliny the Elder was the first and only beer on Beer Advocate rated 100. So I mean, that was the first beer on that website to consistently for a year or so be rated a hundred out of a hundred. Um, I think, I think being a part of the beer scene 
and drinking craft beer for as long as I have and searching for white whales and sort of stuff like that, Pliny is a little more nostalgic for me than an actual like excitement, I guess. Um, I do see it sometimes. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I could go for that. But there, there's still a ton in this market that, you know, that's they're, they're chasing that. You're not going to get any bottles up here because they don't send package to, up to Oregon. But there are some places that keep it on tap. I think Interurban on um, Mississippi keeps it on tap all the time. Uh, I think Apex has it on tap all the time, too. Uh, be careful where you go for that beer because sometimes it's really expensive and it seems like it shouldn't be, but some places are charging eight, nine dollars a pint. You can find it at other places for seven. And so I just kind of shop smart, shop S smart when it comes to that. And then Dogfish, I think Dogfish Head's even more popular than Russian Rivers Pliny. Do you think so? Just in terms of across the nation. Yeah. Because Well, it's probably more accessible. It's way more accessible. I saw a Dogfish Head truck today, actually. Um, but and, and I think that oftentimes because it's really popular here. We consider it popular everywhere, yeah. but West Coast beer, a lot of it, unless it's bought by big beer and distributed across the country, stays very West Coast. I don't know a yeah. lot of places that I've been that I've ever seen Russian River anywhere outside of the West Coast. No, no. Whereas I mean, Dogfish Head is from, where is it, Delaware or something, wherever yeah, it started? Yeah, from sea to shining sea. Yeah, from sea to, sh- sh- perfect. <laughs> I'm not even going to repeat it. Yeah. Perfect. Um, you know, I, would, I think it's more popular because of that. Yeah, totally. What's uh, you? We were looking at lists earlier. What's the What's the Sierra Nevada Double IPA? I uh, will pick that up for you. I forgot what it was. Um, it's not their pale ale. Whoa. Um, but they have a double IPA that I'll bet you that beer does get to the East Hoptimum. Coast. Optimum. Yeah, yeah. I'll bet you that beer gets to the East Coast just because a Sierra Nevada is that big, and b now they have an East Coast brewery. So I'm sure that one lasts. That one gets out there. But other ones that have a lot of ratings on Beer Advocate include Hop Slam from Bells, uh, Enjoy By by Stone Brewing. There's a Lagunitas one. I was going to say Lagunitas, Stone, Firestone Walker, all those three California big boys. Yep. Um, one of those three still independent. Um, all three of those are probably making not just continually making IPAs, whether it's Stone, Enjoy By, or Ruinition. But, you know, one-offs and things like that. Uh, Stone, I wouldn't be shocked if Stone was one of some one of the early ones making double IPAs. Those those guys are obsessed with their hops, and they've been making great beer for decades. The ones that I, I think I talked about this in the post-Thanksgiving episode because uh, I had had it for Thanksgiving was Six Point out of Brooklyn. Has oh, yeah. resin and high res. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I thought both of those were dynamite. Yeah, a lot of people have dug the six point double IPAs. I haven't unfortunately I haven't had a regular IPA that I've dug from them, but yeah, a lot of people have really enjoyed uh their doubles. And I got really wasted on Elysian Space Dust once as well. <laughs> so that's another one that's uh all over the place. Yeah, I think I think there's a time and place for these double IPAs. I think I think what I'd like to see is I think I'd like I'd I'd like people to to start asking themselves and answering honestly and with good reason, why are we making these? Where can we go with these? What is the point? What are we pushing ourselves to? Is it for more hop character? Is it, you know, and you can be honest, is it to just get wasted easier? Um, Is it to see how far you can push the envelope? I think I'd be interested because you can see with the difference of these two, what Belching Beaver wants to do with this double IPA is very different than what Gigantic wants to do yes. with this double IPA. And I'm not saying we all got to be on the same board. I'm just curious, why are we doing this? What can we learn from this? Well, I think what you're seeing from this Belching Beaver one is not one that I've seen in this style very often, is 
it's a single hop double IPA. Yeah. So I'm getting a ton of that mosaic hop flavor. Yeah. And I don't feel like I'm getting the 8.8% from it. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes in the more balanced ones, all of the gigantic one or some of the other big boys that we've had, they are more balanced, but you also know you're going to get drunk mm-hmm. if you drink a couple of them. This one, it's almost tricky. Yep. You could probably feel like, oh, I could drink a couple of these belching beavers. And then an hour later, you're going to be like, ah, why did I make that decision? <laughs> um, so, But I think that the fact that they're doing a single hop version of it is interesting because it kind of reminds me of the fresh hop craze mm-hmm. when you're getting breweries trying many different varieties of fresh hop beers just to experiment and see where the flavors go and all that. And this specific beer is doing that in the double IPA. And it's not fresh hop, it's seasonal or it's or right. it's a small batch, but it's different. Well, so I think that's kind of cool. And that maybe you'll see more breweries go that way instead of just going for the high ABV punch in the face. Yeah, I think that I think that's an interesting point. I think, you know, this the gigantic way is the more traditional way. And I would say I probably prefer the gigantic way i do too just because of the balance like i'm a big fan of the balance of the beer even though the belching beaver might appeal to my palate more if that makes sense of being a hop head Mm -hmm. and stuff like that but if you're drinking an imperial ipa you would rather have more balance because you're looking for that in that yeah because i'm looking for balance however however the balance is the old school way and this mosaic definitely represents a new school way it's it's that's a why you double... ask, where do we go from here? Maybe it starts with this. Yeah, I wonder. And you know, I've noticed, you know, the love of double IPAs has gone down. I think I think the haze craze has done some of that to it because there there's so many hazy double IPAs coming out that don't that aren't really offering more than single hazy IPAs. So it's they're like just there to get you drunk. Yeah, they're just there and they're they're overly boozy and then it then you're just kinda like, ah oh, crap, I can only have one of these. That and I think people are gravitating more towards the sessionable stuff we like craft beer a lot we want to be able to start drinking more so i do think double ipa popularity has gone down drastically i would say over the last five years um but if people are going to start making stuff like this mosaic double ipa that is more of a double ipa for the regular ipa drinker that might be the path they go the other thing too and this is just from today before we wrap this up and get to our beer of the week is i was at john's picking up our beer of the week this week and just because I knew we were doing this episode, I was keeping an eye out for Imperial IPAs, which is why I brought the Belching Beaver, because mm-hmm. it's a brand new release. And I actually saw way more than I thought. Yeah. There was a Stormbreaker. Savage Nimbus was on the shelf. I can't believe I didn't think of that, because I drink at Stormbreaker frequently. There was a Wild Ride double IPA that I saw on the shelf. Uh, they're out of Bend, right? Redmond. Redmond. Just outside of Bend. Um, and there was a couple others I was just kind of scouting really quickly, and I saw a bunch. And I, I don't know if it's because I don't really pay attention to it, and I was looking for it because it was this week's episode, or is it the time of year because we're almost at February and you're going to see more of these releases come out, or is that a style that people are going to start doing again? Yeah, I don't know. I, don't I, I saw a lot more than I expected. Yeah, and uh, it was it was funny being somebody that you know I, I I have a couple bottle shops that I frequently visit, and obviously I'm in the beer and we're in the beer biz and we're talking beer all the time. I had trouble just thinking of double IPAs. It was like you mentioned, let's do this, and I was kind of like, oh yeah, yeah, that's great. What double IPAs are out there? Hmm. <laughs> uh, ooh, Gigantic makes a double IPA, and that's all I got. Yeah. I sat with two of my buddies yesterday, and I was like, "We're gonna do a double IPA show tomorrow. What 
what double IPA should I grab? Because I'm I'm really drawing a blank. The only thing I can think of is Gigantic's Ginormous. And they were like, dude, sticky hands. You drink that all the time. And I just looked into space like an absolute moron. <laughs> I was like, goodness, you guys are correct. I feel really dumb. And they were both like, you should. <laughs> so, But to your point, but outside my, of those two. It's, it's just really outside of my radar. Yeah. Um, even though I, you know, I don't. I think I see it when I'm in Milwaukee a lot because we're at the brewery and there's so many more selections down there. I do get a fair amount of people. What, do you have a double IPA? I don't care what it is. Do you got one? I'll take it. That's cool. So, I mean, there are people out there. I think a lot of those people tend to be uh, older. I think they lived the space race days and uh, loved it. And I also think that there are people out there that vote that uh, order by ABV. I am not one of those per- people. No, but I think there are there are still there are, is still a group of people out there that do order by ABV. You see it at beer fests all the time. Oh, absolutely, all the time. I think I naturally order by ABV because it's the style of beer that I go for is the dark beers and the heavy bourbon barrel aged stuff. I mean, I but... order by ABV. I don't really want something over seven five. That's mm. the same. It's just the other way. The other way. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, there's our Imperial IPA episode. Hopefully you guys enjoyed. Let us know if there's any ones that we missed that you love uh, that we didn't mention on our list of the national ones or hell, even local ones, or if there's even a new one that you've seen that you've really, really dug. Let us know on social media. Coming up next, we have our Beer of the Week. It is not an Imperial IPA, but uh, it's one of my, I'm not going to say favorites, but it's one that I go to often. And... That's going to be our Beer of the Week next. This is Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. Beer of the Week time here on Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. And this week, it was my choice for Beer of the Week. And this is one that is very near and dear to my heart. I'm not 100% sure why. But it's a beer. The first time I went to this brewery, I had it. And I fell in love with it almost instantly. And like I said before we came into this segment, it's not one of my favorite beers, but it's one that had a very good instant impact to me. And it's one that is very, very unique for its style, in my opinion. So the beer of the week this week is Burnside Brewing's Too Sticky to Roll IRA, Northwest IRA, as they would call it, India Red Ale, for those who are unsure. And... It was the first time my wife and I had ever gone to to Burnside Brewing, and this was the first beer I ever tried there, and the first thought I ever had when I took a sip was chewy. This is a chewy beer, and it's not Chewbacca, chewy as in you're chewing food or rice or something. Now, I understand the two sticky to roll is probably a weed reference, not a sushi reference, but um, for some reason, I get this kind of like sticky rice sensation going on with it what if it's a cannabis infused sticky rice sushi that would probably be disgusting oh yeah that probably would but uh more power to you if you want to do that i guess yeah, no i don't want to do that um but i don't know i don't know what it was outside of that but this beer stuck with me for a very long time and anytime i go back to burnside which is not super frequently but i've been a couple of times recently it's right across the street from a concert hall i go to for metal shows fairly frequently and uh I always get it too sticky to roll. It's kind of got this, like, I don't really know what other word to describe it. It's it's chewy. There's something about it that kind of makes me feel like I'm having that. I don't know why. Yeah, I just took a sip of it, and in smelling it, 
It didn't. It, it doesn't smell that hoppy. I smelt it and I was like, I'm getting the malts. I get the red aspect of it. I can smell the sweetness. I was, to be honest, I was a little worried. <laughs> I was like, I smelled this and I was like, uh, there's some things in here I don't really like. Uh, it's been a long time since I've had a Burnside beer, so this is this is kind of fun. Uh, but in tasting it, the hop character comes through nicely. Um, it it finishes clean, I would say. Um, it is for for a beer you describe as chewy. It it is sure uh, it's clear beer. Yeah. Do you do you get that at all, or is that more of a my palate kind of thing? It's just something that it sits with me. It, it's it's almost like you have that. Yeah, it's residual post bite flavor yeah. that it's kind of like you're like sucking it out of your mouth a little bit. Yeah, that's kind of. I mean, you know me as we talk tons of times. If this is the first time you're listening to this podcast or you've listened to a bunch, you know my palate. I I tend to gravitate gravitate towards the finish. This does have a little lingering aspect. My mouth is salivating, so there's like some uh some kind of basically what we call like some polyphenolic value to it that's making me making my thirst quench like i need yeah. to take another mm-hmm. drink because it's you know because it's like, like you said yeah that same sort of feeling i get that so the the description on the bottle long has it been a pub favorite for its mellow multi-body and balanced top finish expect notes of dank tropical fruits on the nose rich malt sweetness and an earthy finish i do get very much of the rich malt sweetness and frankly mm-hmm. i get that more on the nose than i do the tropical notes i get mm-hmm. a very kind of sweet malty nose on it mm-hmm. and as i take the sip i get the hops and then the finish does have the most bitter aspect is the finish of it for sure i uh i remember you were talking to me when we were trying to figure out what style we wanted to do what ipa variant we wanted to do and you mentioned the ira so i think because of what i had said to you this might be a decent time to talk a little bit about the ira go for it um i don't i think the IRA is something that's been kind of fun to the West Coast and to the Northwest in general. Um, that the reason I kind of was a little, I kind of poo-pooed a little bit on doing it was because there's just not a ton of examples out there anymore. Um, I did not know this was this existed in in package form. Mm. You know, I'm familiar with like some Burnside staples and stuff like that, but I'm not. This is one of their staples. Yeah, I was not aware that this was in package. Um, and I think that's part of it. I mean, I think IRAs are a very distinct flavor profile towards people. I know we've talked about in the past. Um, they could be IRAs good. a good gateway yeah. beer for people, um, but I just don't see a ton on the market, which is kind of why I was a little hesitant to shy away from it. I think these beers are tricky. It's kind of like which way do you want to go with the India Red Ale? Do you want to go the India part or the red part? And that's. And I think what's tricky is trying to find the balance. I think those that have succeeded in it have never given up on the true red, but have found a great, have found the ability to give it great hop character without it kind of bastardizing the the, the red aspect of it. Like, for example, IRA. I've been drinking IRA for over 10 years now, or however long from they've Double been Mountain. Ma- from Double Mountain, yeah. basically. And that, to me, has always been the kind of litmus test of an IRA. That I, one is more hoppy than this one is, too. I, I would agree. I would very much Double agree. Double Mountain IRA has a way more of a hop character. This one has a subtle hop finish to it, mm-hmm. but is a little bit more malty up front. Yeah, I would say this has more of a more of a red body to where you definitely get some you get a, you get a little more of the India body in the in the uh IRA from Double Mountain. I do think though maybe this is just because I look more for styles that I like like this and I I like IRAs a lot. I tend to see more 
IRAs, <laughs> then I think that you're leading on. And one of them, I mean, it's it's uh, it's not an IRA, but it, it kind of sits in that red area. It's the fearless, fearless Scottish red ale. Oh yeah. Um, that's not really an IRA necessarily, but it kind of sits in that same realm. Ancestry does an IRA now. And also, I think there's a thing too where IRAs and red ales are kind of almost morphing into one. They're one and the same. Yeah, the flavor profiles are so similar. Well, I think the market is probably very similar for them as well. Right. I don't know a ton of IPA drinkers that are looking for IRAs, which is interesting because yeah. it's an India ale, just red instead of pale. Yeah, well, I mean, I think CDAs and black IPAs have gone the same route too. You know, it's almost. I do like, like those a lot. Yeah, I like CDAs a lot, and a lot of my hophead friends, they don't get it. They're like, why do you, why do you like CDAs? It's just like a hoppy, lighter version of, for, for dark beer drinkers. I was like, I don't know. Because it's a hoppy, lighter yeah, version? Yeah, maybe because, maybe because uh, for someone that doesn't drink a ton of like roast characteristic beers, that's how I get my roast character fix, because it also... It also hits the other end of me, but I mean, I, I again, I think most people that buy CDAs are probably people that buy uh, IRAs in the sense that they're not necessarily hopheads. I raised my hand on that. Yeah, one. yeah, but they have discovered that there are some hop characteristics that they can get out of it that does complement the beer. I just think those those OG West Coast IPA drinkers don't like the malt presence. Yeah. So, what do you think about this one in particular? You you said it was. You kind of got the hop residue, which is kind of the chewiness you were mm-hmm. talking about. Are you happy with this beer? Do you wish it was more like the Double Mountain IRA? Is Are you understanding why this beer sings to me? I, I 100% see why this beer sings to you. I don't love the aroma, to be honest, um, but I do, I do think that there is good hop character here. I do think that there is a solid body to it without being overly heavy, which I think is nice. Like, there's you can be chewy, but that doesn't make you heavy. Um, I do think... I do think the sweetness is a little residual on the back end, but a little for me, but I don't think that's a negative for the beer. I think overall, I think this beer is nice. I, uh, and if you have not been to Burnside, I know it's not necessarily the biggest local brewery. They've got really good food, too. Yeah? Really good food. It's been a long time since I've had Burnside beer or been out there. They have a burrata. I don't know if you know what a burrata is. I don't. It's cheese-stuffed mozzarella. Cheese-stuffed cheese. Yeah. Okay. It's a It's an Italian food staple. But um, you, they have a burrata appetizer. So it's basically just like, I don't know if it's actually ricotta cheese or rigotta cheese, if you want to be more Italian. Rigot. Um, that's basically stuffed inside of a mozzarella base. Oh. It's freaking delicious. Cheese inside cheese, huh? It's American. Well, yeah. actually, it's Italian. Yeah. But it's perfect for America. Did cheese they, on cheese. Did they deep fry it? Because that becomes American. That's true. No, they did not. <laughs> they made it nice and fancy. So they've got really good food there. And I know it's a place that we have not talked about a lot, but I, I've been a couple of times. Uh, Bossa Nova Ballroom, which has a lot of metal shows, is right across the street from it. So I'll mm-hmm. often go there before uh, I go to a show. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, I'm never in that neighborhood. So that's probably makes sense why I'm not there much. It's over on Burnside. Weird. Clearly. Uh, and Whoa. it's a little bit... <laughs> Two woes in one episode. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's a little bit closer than, say, Screen Door or mm-hmm. Fire in the Mountain or yeah. 808 or Matador, which is kind of a little further down Burnside. If you get onto Burnside where the Sandy split happens, I think it's somewhere like right there. Okay. So if you're if you're over on East Burnside or Southeast Burnside, uh, that'll be where you, you can find it. And I, I've always appreciated their beer. They have a really good winter ale, which probably is off by now, but it's called Permafrost. I like that one a lot. Oh, as I remember. Well. Yeah, I remember. You brought that over for the MLS Cup. 
I did. Yeah. Uh, I like that beer a lot as well. So it's a good solid place. It's not sexy or new or anything like that, but it's one that I, that I personally like a lot. So if you want to, if you haven't been there and you want to go check it out, feel free. Uh, I like it a lot. So that's our beer of the week. It's the Burnside Brewing Too Sticky to Roll Northwest India Red Ale. And uh, coming up next week, I know we've been teasing this for a little while, but we're attempting it again. Uh, hopefully the Southwest Washington episode. Hopefully, working on it as we speak. We are going to be doing that episode likely at 5440 Brewing in Washougal, right? That's the goal. And we'll be talking to the owner, Bolt, because he is a big Southwest Washington guy and knows the beer scene very well, um, talking about his place and a bunch of the Southwest Washington breweries as well. So that'll be hopefully coming up next week. If not, trust us, it's going to be happening very soon. We've been working on it for a couple of weeks, and we've got very close, and then some stuff happened, and... You know how it goes. And I don't want to count that as a tap takeover. No. As a podcast takeover. So I will do my best to try to try to lock one down. Because we do, we're kind of due for one. We're, we're due for one. Laurel yeah. Wood was the last one. That was about a month ago. So we're due mm-hmm. for another podcast takeover. We also were noodling around with this idea, but uh, there's a couple of places in Oregon City mm-hmm. that we're going to be uh, attempting to go to Coin Toss and Oregon City Brewing. So that might be a double episode. It might be two episodes. We're not really sure at this point, but that's going to be coming down pretty quick down the road as well. If you all remember the Double Mountain Freem episode, gets wild. It gets really <laughs> wild. Uh, hopefully they're close to each other because... <laughs> Yikes. Yikes. Um, so that's coming up soon as well. So keep an ear out for that. But hopefully next week we'll have our Southwest Washington episode, which will be our second region slash city episode after our Asheville, North Carolina one from probably three months ago at this point. And the OBA episode will be coming or should be coming, coming up in a month or so. Pro- probably the first episode in March. Yep. So that's all still to come. Thanks so much for listening. Remember to subscribe, rate, review, and uh one thing I just wanted thing. to say was I wanted to throw out some some love to the to there's a couple of you guys out there that have uh frequented Mike and I and you guys are handing us beer for us to try and I just want to publicly acknowledge the thank you uh, more recently my buddy chris dropped off some beers for us thank you guys we really really appreciate it we don't ask of it but uh it is it is very very much appreciative and those beers are drank with a lot of love it's very cool yeah and very appreciated and uh, kind of wish... weirds me out but um but i'm down because I just it's... i just don't expect anything for free right so it's like that gesture is just something i'm i'm i guess i'm not used to there's a ruse waffle stout waiting for me in my fridge at yeah. home and i'm very excited about that one yeah chris gave me a, a, a matchless lager he said that tastes like miller high life i'm so jacked to drink this i'm super excited to drink this you weirdo all yeah. right uh so next week we'll see about southwest washington if not we'll figure it out from there but thank you so much for your support and listening and we'll see you then deuces